Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. It's Friday, September 18th, and you're listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott, and today we're joined for the first time ever by Jody Dimling, publisher of Cardinal Authority for 24-7 Sports. Uh, Jody, you've got a big game up in your neck of the woods this weekend, huh? We really do, you know. Uh, um, it's kind of it's kind of crazy. This game wasn't on the schedule. They played Miami last year, Louisville did, and uh took a beating in Miami. They weren't on the schedule this year. And then all of a sudden they're back on the schedule. And then all of a sudden they're two top ranked, two top 20 teams and then game days coming. So uh, it's kind of worked out well for, uh, for Louisville uh, to, to have this opportunity early in the season. Yeah. Number 17, Miami at number 18, Louisville. Uh, Louisville's a, a favorite, I believe by, by about a point seven thirty on ABC. This is um, I think it's going to be in the, the national introduction to many people. Uh, for many people to Louisville. I love watching this Louisville team. I think people are much more familiar with Miami. Uh, people probably watch their opener. They know who De'Eric King is, but th- they might not know like Mikhail Cunningham and, and Tutu Atwell and, and Scott Satterfield and this turnaround from a 2-10 and 10 season in 2018 and to this journey now where it looks like Louisville is on enough of an upward slope to where they one day – can challenge Clemson to top the ACC, and that's you know kind of just my opinion. Jody, walk us through. Let's start at the beginning of all of this. Bobby Petrino, he's gone, and then the coaching change, the coaching coaching search. They hone in on on Jeff Brom, and and that doesn't go well, even though we thought it we thought it would, and and they end up with Scott Satterfield, and and walk just just tell us about how that happened and the Louisville yeah. fan emotions of that journey. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot, most of the fans at the time were kind of like, uh-oh, what's, what's going on here? Because, you know, I mean, Jeff Brom was kind of, was the uh, the favored son. He was the guy, you know, who uh, had had played here, had coached here. Um, his dad played here. His two brothers played here. You know, I mean, it, it's, it, it was kind of the perfect story. And then when he said no, uh, immediately Vince Tyree turned to Scott Satterfield. And there was some other names that were thrown around. But quite honestly, Scott Satterfield was was the guy. He was the one that uh, uh, that Vince Tyree had honed in on, and 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 they took a chance. And you know, it, I think when Scott Satterfield showed up, had a press conference, had the press conference, and he told the fans exactly what they wanted to hear. He won that first press conference, and that was the biggest thing for him uh, to do. That is, uh, you know, to talk about recruiting and trying to. To build the the bridge, you know, rebuild the bridges that were torn down between the coaches in the state of Kentucky uh, and 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 the staff at Louisville, and uh, and to talk about the fan base and to talk about the the history of the program and bringing things back and opening the doors, uh, you know, of the program to people and not being so closed and uh, behind the scenes things that were going on. Um, I, I think he won a lot of people over with that, and I think he won the players over. Um, you know, Scott Satterfield's told the story before he had no idea, but after one of the first meetings, you know, one of the players said something about 
come into the office and he's like, what, what do you mean come into the office? And the player said, well, we weren't allowed to come on the coaches in the, into the coach's office. And so that's, that's how things were in this program that where the players could not go into the coach's office on their own and ask questions or just go in and, and chit chat and hang out. And uh, so he's put together a staff uh, the first year, all but one guy is back from this, from, from the first year to this year, he's put together a staff that has taken these kids under their wings and become They've become a uh, they've become more of a family than than just a football team. I mean, they you know they go to the coaches' houses and they have dinners. Well, they don't right now, but that's the normal the normal uh, the normal thing. Where, what they did last year was go to the coaches' houses and have dinners and spend time with their family. Um, things that normal teams, I think, do. Uh, this wasn't normal here for a while, and and people. Uh, I, I think people finally realized that the last year that Coach Petrino was here, that things were different, and uh, and that's when things went downhill. I, I wanted to ask you about that. That the, things seem like the last year of Bobby Petrino and what we've said about it since. It seems very clear that there was a cold relationship, maybe an icy relationship between coaching staff and players, and I, I mean head coach there and players was that the case when Lamar Jackson was doing his thing at Louisville and it was just being masked by Lamar Jackson doing his thing at Louisville or when when he left did things just really go downhill fast uh a little bit of both you know i mean i don't i don't think things were perfect when Lamar Jackson was was doing his thing here but i think he was so good uh and so talented and and quite honestly when you look around at at some other players that they had on the team they had some other guys around that were that were really talented you know I mean they they had guys um you know I mean Jair Alexander is uh uh is one to bring I mean he he was super talented um you know they had other guys on that team that were at that level that were either NFL type guys or you know could go there and, and at least spend a year or two kind of doing some things like Reggie Bonifant spent a year or two with the Panthers. He's on a practice squad. Now, they had they had other guys that were talented, but I think when some of those guys left, um, I, I think the recruiting slipped. Um, you can you can tell that by when uh, uh, you know when Scott Satterfield took over and he hired Dwayne Ledford as the offensive line coach. Dwayne Ledford looked at the roster and there were eight scholarship offensive linemen. So um, that was something that uh, that that Dwayne Ledford's like, you want me to work with this you know um so so the the um it had taken a drop you know i mean the recruiting had taken a had taken a drop um and and so when lamar was here there were some other guys you were he was able and they were able to mask some things that were going on behind the scenes um but yeah once once lamar left um things just went downhill and i i i truly believe and no player has ever said this um, but I truly believe that that last year, um, after they, when they lost to Virginia, uh, and then they lost, I can't remember who it was the next week. It was Virginia was a close game and then it was a blowout and then it just kind of unraveled. And I, I think the guys who switched, it was, it was more going through the motions the rest of the year for that season. It was, it was more about just kind of getting through it and, uh, and for the guys hoping that there would be a coaching change. The College Football Daily will be right back. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews. But now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Tell us about this quarterback, Michael Cunningham, the best Louisville quarterback since Lamar Jackson. I know it hasn't been you know that long, so but that's not saying too much. But I think it, it says enough that like he he's developed into a really good player. Even in 2018, he he made three starts. In 2019, he did not begin the year as a starter. That was Juwan Pass in that Notre Dame opener. And I know Louisville played three quarterbacks last year, and, and Mikhail, who I believe went by Malik at some points in 2019 as well, has emerged as just one of the ACC's best players. Period. Uh, yep. Counted for four and- touchdowns last week in that WKU win. Like how how, how has his progression? been so rapid and i would assume scott satterfield deserves a lot of credit for that yeah yeah definitely scott satterfield and, and I, i'll i'll even throw i mean frank ponce the quarterback coach has been a magician like we always laugh because we always have these debates about um who is the best hire um that scott satterfield made and you know the offensive line had eight eight had eight guys on it uh, in scholarship yet they were really really good last year it, you know con- considering what they were the year before um, you know, the defensive coordinator, Brian Brown, they had, he was the fourth defensive coordinator in four years and they had given up, uh, you know, 50 points in like eight games that year. And they, they, by 11 points, then you've got the wide receivers, you've got special teams that were, that were not very good. And then they went to be pretty good for, for a year and, uh, running backs, all these coaches, but really Frank Ponce, uh, the offensive, the, the quarterbacks coach deserves a ton of credit because it was a position going into last year where nobody knew what was going to happen. And yes, he started the year last year as Malik Cunningham. He then wanted to be known as Mikhail Cunningham. And just earlier this week, he told us, or late last week after the game last week, he said, you guys are the only ones now that call me Mikhail, so you can call me Malik if you want. And we we're like, no. it's just too much trouble because now everybody knows you as Mikhail Cunningham on the national thing kind of thing, or at least they're getting to know you. So just stay with Mikhail, Mikhail, or Malik, or whatever you want to Oh, call my him. goodness. So, yeah, You're kidding. It's, it's, it's back and forth. But he said he likes them both, so it, does, it doesn't matter. Um, he, That's so funny. I remember last it, year being like so confused trying did, to, yeah, trying no to get through the box scores and stuff. Well, and it happened like literally right before one of the games. It was like the it was like the fourth or fifth game of the year, and like we were literally at pregame. Um, in you know they were warming up, and the SID is like, uh, "Just wanted a name change. <laughs> it's Mikhail Cunningham now, and not Malik." And we're like, "What? Where did that come from?" But uh, but whatever. <laughs> he, he said his mom liked it, so that's that's why he did it. Um, you know, he would have been, in in my opinion, Puma Pass was kind of the guy who was groomed to be. Uh, Juwan Pass was groomed to be Lamar's the guy who took over for Lamar. He sat out an entire his freshman year. Uh, he was his backup for an entire season. Actually got to play some, and then and then played you know in that 2018 season. Cunningham played some in that 2018 season. And when Cunningham came to Louisville, it was kind of interesting. You know, when Lamar came to Louisville, everybody said, "Okay, 
or they were like, oh, he's going to be a quarterback. He's going to be a quarterback. And everybody, of course, was like, he's a wide receiver. or He's this, you know, moving, you know, like they, like they've all did. And he turned out to be a pretty good quarterback. Um, you know, I, I think when, when he, when, when Cunningham came, there was some of the same kind of things, I believe. Um, there was some of the, the, there were some of the, uh, of the same type of deal that they thought, okay, can this kid really do it at quarterback? But he has improved and grown. Going into last season, when when they got when the staff got here, so the spring before last season, when the staff got here, I'll never forget some of the comments they were making behind the scenes were kind of like, ugh, he's just not accurate. You know, he's got great great mobility he's got great football sense but he can't he's not accurate and that was always the knock that I heard from the previous staff is that he could not he couldn't hit his target he just couldn't he wasn't good in the passing game and I don't know what happened between then and 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 when he came in but man he turned into a really good passer and I got to give Frank Ponce a lot of credit for that they worked on his mechanics a little bit and changed some things Cunningham got hurt in in fall camp last year and missed about three weeks, I think is what it was, wasn't totally healthy, was available for Notre Dame if they would have needed him in the, in the opener, but really wasn't, um, and I, I can't remember, if he, I don't think he, he didn't play, he played in the second week. He was available in that game, but they really didn't want to play him. So pass started, actually played okay. Eastern Kentucky game pass started, played really well, then got injured late in the game and Cunningham came in. And when he came in, we were Everybody was like, who, who is this kid? I mean, he just looked like a totally different player. And um, I tell you what, he, he's, uh, you know, one more pass attempt from last year. If they'd had one more pass attempt, um, and, the, and Satterfield jokes around he, uh, that if the SID would have only told him, they would have thrown it one more time, you know, in the bowl game before they took him out. But uh, one more pass attempt on the season, and he would have been either – I think he would have been the second highest – uh, efficiency returning this season as far as a quarterback returning to college football. And he would have been up there last year, you know, with, with, uh, with Joe Burrow, with Tua, with, uh, with Jalen Hurts. I think it was Joe Burrow, Jalen Hurts, and uh, Justin Fields were the three top guys. He was right behind Fields. So he would have been the second guy returning in college football had they done one more attempt. That's how good he was last year. And I just don't think a lot of people really realize um, he was. He was hurt early in the year. He got dinged up a couple times. Evan Conley, the true freshman, finished two games, played in a third where Cunningham got hurt. Um, he had a hard time last year sliding, getting down, not twisting his body, just getting little small injuries that he's improved on this year. Um, so, yeah, he's it, the, the story of Mikhail Cunningham is, is an intriguing one because, uh, uh, you know, a lot of guys, a lot of people on staff, not just the previous staff, but this staff, wondered if he could do it. And and that's how how far he has come uh, from spring ball prior to last year until now. It'll be fun to see him go head-to-head with Derek King, the Miami quarterback, on, on Saturday right. night. If you're looking for, like, a breakout household name potential, I think it's Cunningham and then I think it's Tutu Atwell, the, uh, the speedy Louisville receiver. He had 70 catches last year, 12 touchdowns. He led the ACC in yards with 1,276. And he's clocked like a 4-2-7-40, you know, 4-2-7-4-3-3. Like, you never know. We'll see when he gets to the NFL Combine. Have you noticed – did you notice in week one, Western Kentucky, 
was focusing so much on Tutu that the other Louisville receivers probably had a lot more room to run. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, they've got a really, really good receiving group. I mean, they have, um, they have talent, they have speed. Um, they have, they have a lot, uh, uh, on that re- in that receiving room, um, that, that they can, uh, that they can bank on and they can get to, if people try to take Tutu away, like Western Kentucky did last week, you know, um, Tutu's fantastic. Um, what you'll see a lot with him and, uh, if I was having to say breakout, I would say he was, he's going to be that guy. What you're going to see, first of all, he's from South Florida. So when, uh, when these Louisville oh. guys, uh, when these Louisville guys get, uh, to play, um, he, he, he went to Miami Northwestern. He was Teddy Bridgewater's, uh, uh, like, me- like was his mentor. It's like his buddy. He played quarterback at Miami Northwestern, uh, in high school, led them actually to the state championship. Um, he's got a really good arm and, and, Quite honestly, last year in a couple games was ended up being the guy who would have been next up because they were they had so many injuries uh, at quarterback. But you know he's that big play guy. Uh, he's only five nine. They list him at one sixty five, one seventy ish. But there's no way he's that. But uh, um, you know maybe that's that might be soaking wet. That's how small he looks. But they do that little flip pitch where he comes on that jet sweep in motion and Cunningham flips it to him. And, and by the time he gets to the corner, nobody can usually keep up with him. And the safeties in the corners, you've got to take a perfect angle to get him. Like Western did a really good job of putting a spy on him. And, and, and I think that that's probably what a lot of people will do is have somebody kind of uh, making sure they know where he's at all the time. The problem is you've got Des Fitzpatrick, who's a senior, thought about going to the NFL draft would have probably, I think he probably would have been a late, late round pick or, or would have signed free agent. Definitely. He's got 19 career touchdown receptions. Um, you've got two really good tight ends um, in Mar- in Marshawn Ford. Marshawn Ford led the ACC last year in touchdown receptions for a tight end. And Ian Pfeiffer, who is more of a blocking guy. He got caught a touchdown pass last week. He has three catches in his career. He, he was a grad student last year, a two-year grad student from Vanderbilt. He's a former offensive lineman, lost about 50 pounds. He's got three catches in his career for three touchdowns. So he's, he's got that going on. And then you've got this kid, Braden Smith, who is a former quarterback. He's a little bit bigger than Atwell, not quite as fast, but still he's a burner. And he caught the two biggest balls last week on third and long twice once a 63-yard catch, once a 48-yard catch, but this kid can fly. So they've got some other weapons that if you try to take Atwell away too much, they're going to burn you with something else. And, and so that's the intriguing thing. And they've got the running backs. They've got a pair of running backs that, you know, their running back coach said, look, we've got not one but two guys that we feel like are among the best, you know, in the ACC as a group, you know, as a group of guys. So um, they've got a ton, a ton of weapons, and, and they're going to score points in games. They were very disappointed not only scoring seven points in the second half last week against Western Kentucky. Western did a really nice job against their uh, loading up the box and kind of slowing them down a little bit uh, you know, in the rushing. So, yeah, I, I think Atwell would be the breakout guy. But, but, again, if Miami tries to take him away, which I think they probably will, then, uh, then you've got some other things. And, and a key – an interesting little thing here – one of the guys that was key in getting Atwell originally to Louisville is on the Miami staff now. Um, their tight end coach, Stephen Field, at Miami 
was one of the recruiting coordinators at Louisville under Bobby Petrino. He then left the final year of the, the 2018 season. He went to Oregon and, uh, and was the recruiting coordinator at Oregon and then left Oregon and came back to Louisville. Scott Satterfield rehired him at Louisville as the head of all their recruiting. And about a week or so after Scott Satterfield hired him, Manny Diaz had an open spot on his staff, and he's originally from Miami, a former high school coach in Miami, and big-time connections down there. And so they hired him as their defensive uh, – or their, as their tight end coach. He's the Miami tight end coach. And uh, so, yeah, he recruited Hawk, Javion Hawkins, helped recruit Tutu Atwell and some other guys from South Florida. So it, it's an interesting matchup. It really is a lot of backstory going on. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, and then you mentioned all those weapons, and you mentioned, like, the flip pitch and, and the running attack, and I just – I got so excited thinking about it. Like Scott Satterfield, such a fun, creative coach to watch work. And I think against a Manny Diaz, you know, Miami led defense, a Manny Diaz led Miami defense. I think, right. I think Saturday is going to be awesome. I, I just looked at the updated line. It's, it's Louisville minus two and a half. They lost last year, 52 to 27. Jody, before I let you go, I got to get your score prediction. Uh, oh, wow. well, maybe not score. We don't have to do score, but I'll well, take your winner. I've, I've said, yeah, I, I've, I'm going to stick with my prediction that I've had the whole time. Um, I do think Louisville's defense is a lot better. Louisville, last year, Louisville outgained Miami last year in that game. They lost the game. They lost the game 55 to 27. Okay. So it was, uh, that was when Jaron Williams, Threw for a, a Miami school record six touchdowns. Okay, but Louisville outgained them 496 to 449. They rushed for almost 200 yards and uh, they passed uh, for over 300 yards. It was Cunningham and Conley because uh, Cunningham is one of those games where Cunningham got dinged up. They were without Makai Becton in that game too, who ended up being the number 10 pick in the NFL draft and was pretty good in the in week one for the Jets. So. They were up against it in that game. They lost 55-27, still outgained them, but they had 15 penalties for 130, 221 yards, and they had three turnovers in that game. Um, I think if Louisville can control things in the in the turnovers and in the in the penalty category, which they're a lot better. They only had four four penalties uh, or three penalties last week in that game. Uh, if they can contain, continue to take care of that business. Um, I think Louisville wins this game in a lower scoring game than what some might think. I've said 31-28. The interesting thing about this game, maybe more than anything, is that both special teams in week one were not very good. Neither punt team was all that great. You know, it was kind of one of those deals. Louisville's punter dropped one. He had one blocked. Another one almost didn't get off. Miami was all over the place. So uh, it'll be very interesting, but I think Louisville wins uh, uh, by a field goal uh, in the end, and uh, and if they would win this, that would be four game, four wins in the last five meetings between these two programs that Louisville would uh, would have, uh, and that would be a huge deal uh, moving forward for Scott Satterfield and his staff to be able to have that uh, in their in, in their recruiting uh, uh, war as they go back into South Florida and try to get a bunch of kids, and they've. They've had a ton of them over the years. Yeah, whoever wins is going to be the talk of college football come Saturday night because it's otherwise just not a very good slate as we enter what is this week three. I'm looking ahead to the SEC next week. I also agree. I think Louisville is going to win, have a few big plays with 2-2 Atwell. Should be a really fun one. Jody Dimling, thank you so much for joining us. No problem. Thank you. Thanks to Jody for joining us. As we mentioned, it's, it's the best game, and it's not even close. 
on Saturday. Other things I'm going to have my eye on, Oklahoma State hosts Tulsa, 11 a.m. Central. Oh, we'll go Eastern time. Noon Eastern on ESPN. That's Oklahoma State's first game. You're not going to find a better offensive trinity than Spencer Sanders, Chuba Hubbard, and Tylen Wallace. Uh, what else do we got as I peruse my schedule? Notre Dame versus South Florida, 2.30 on the USA channel, like the USA Network. Yeah, no kidding. So can Notre Dame be a little bit more explosive than they were last week against Duke? South Florida, new coach Jeff Scott, former Clemson assistant, offensive coordinator there. They had a tough, they had a tough time getting out of the gates last week against the Citadel. Notre Dame should probably win that one pretty big. ABC, 3.30 Eastern, Georgia Tech back on. ABC this time, they're going to host Central Florida. You know, we're going to see what Central Florida's made of this year. They're probably a little bit wind out of their sails now that the Big Ten's going to be back in the playoff race and maybe the Pac-12, but who knows? Maybe they can make a statement. Uh, number one, Clemson is going to host the Citadel 4 o'clock on the ACC Network. Can't even find a line for that. It's going to be it's going to be ugly. And then, uh, well, yeah, that's it. Um, yikes. But week week four is going to be really good. Uh, and, and week three would have been a little bit better if the following games were not postponed or canceled. Uh, Charlotte at North Carolina was canceled on Thursday. Virginia at Virginia Tech got postponed last week because of a Virginia Tech contact tracing debacle. BYU at Army was postponed. That's a massive bummer. That would have been two top 25 teams. Army's looking for somebody to play, but who wants to play Army? A triple option uh, sledgehammer with only a few days of notice. And then, uh, oh, I, I missed this on Saturday morning as well, noon, uh, Houston at Baylor. Baylor begins the Dave Aranda era. Senior quarterback Charlie Brewer. Can they beat Houston and Dana Holgerson? Could be kind of a fun matchup. So keep an eye on it. Uh, Monday's episode will be a reaction to that news hosted by Brandon Marcello uh, and whichever guest he so chooses to call up from the bullpen on Sunday afternoon. So my name is Trey Scott. Thanks again to Jody Dimlin for joining us at Cardinal Authority. Thanks to our producer, Tony Levitt, for putting this episode together. Y'all have a great weekend. We'll talk to you on Monday. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.